Hey, everybody. So grateful. I hope you had a wonderful week. Hope you have an opportunity to gather with your family, hopefully maybe a little bit of your friends. I'm so grateful that you're back again and you're ready to go into part two of this word that the Lord gave me. I'm so excited. I hope last week uh, was something that that really calibrated your thinking. Uh, and, and look, I'm so excited. I just literally want to jump right back into uh, where we left off last week. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to get them and uh, lift them up real, real high. Let's make some declarations. Uh, you should know by now. Listen, if you didn't listen to last week's message, you got time. Listen, this is not live, right? So just pause it. Go back and listen to last week's message, part one, so that you can be prepared for what the Holy Spirit wants to say in part two. I promise you, I'll wait. I'll wait. If you pause me, I'll wait until you come back. All right. All right. If you have your Bibles, I want you to get them real high and real loud. You see how easily my turn up can go? <laughs> listen, real, real loud, real, real high. Let's make some declarations as we lift up the Lord and his word. Y'all ready? Here we go. Today. Uh-huh. Today. The Holy Spirit is going to continue to speak to me about my brook. That's right. My brook. After today, I will know and fully understand that my brook has dried up for a reason. And that God is preparing me for my next season. Bars! And make sure you do it with a falsetto too. Bars! I need at least 25 people on Instagram to hit me with bars! <laughs> so today, I prepare my heart I prepare my mind, I prepare myself for what comes next when this brook dries up. All right, let's go, let's go, let's go. We're going back to 1 Kings 17. I'm picking up from the 10th verse. In the first part, we talked about uh, 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 what happens when the brook dries up and without the brook drying up, what we would be dealing with. And now uh, we are going through the narrative, the rest of the chapter, starting from the 10th verse all the way through to the 24th verse. And so if you have your Bibles, 1 Kings 17, starting at the 10th verse, here is what it says. So he went to Zarephath. Now let me just pause right there. Now remember, why did he go to Zarephath? Because in chapter uh, 17, verse number nine, which we talked about last week, go and what? I'm listening. And live where? In Zarephath. That's right. Last week, God told Elijah to go and live in Zarephath. And he did. So he went to Zarephath. That's just obedience right there. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks and he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? 
As she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a bite of bread, too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in my house and I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal and then my son and I will die. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do what you've just said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, there will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So she did as Eliza said, and she and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. Sometimes later, the woman's son became sick. He grew worse and worse, and finally, he died. Then she said to Elijah, oh, man of God, what have you done to me? Have you, have you come here to point out my sins and kill my son? But Elijah replied, give me your son. And he took the child's body from her arms, carried him up the stairs to the room where he was staying and laid the body on his bed. Then Elijah cried out to the Lord, oh, Lord, my God, why have you brought tragedy to this widow who has opened her home to me, causing her son to die? And he stretched himself out over the child three times and cried out to the Lord, oh, God, oh, Lord, my God. Please let this child's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's prayer and the life of the child returned and he revived. Then Elijah brought him down from the upper room and gave him to his mother. Look, he said, your son is alive. Then the woman told Elijah, now I know for sure that you are a man of God and that the Lord truly speaks through you. Woo! That's good stuff. Okay, if you're taking notes, uh, four words, just like it was last week, please write this down. The brook dried up. That's right, it's the same title as last week, The Brook Dried Up, part two. Last week, was part one, this is part two, the brook dried up. Bow your heads, let's pray over the word, shall we? Holy Spirit, help us to understand what to do with this dry brook, amen. Listen, I hope that last week's message was able to calibrate you in a way that is preparing you for the season that God wants you to walk into. There are some things about you and there are some things that God has put on the inside of you that could never come out unless you left the place where he was providing for you. Even though it was God that called you to that place, when that brook dried up, it was only to prepare you for the next season and the next way that he wants to provide for you 
to bless you and to speak to you. Your brook has dried up. And because of that, you had to move. Your brook has dried up. And because of that, you've had to live in a place and go to a place that you're unfamiliar with because that brook dried up. You've moved. There is a new level of growth that's going to be coming to you, unlike anything that you've ever experienced in your past. I just want you to know that there is something good about the brook drying up. And I hope you've had an opportunity over the last week to allow this word to get down on the inside of you and get excited about what God has next for you. And so I want to jump right into the three points to this message, and I just want to unpack them for you so that you can have an understanding of what happens when the brook dries up. So if you're taking notes on this message, and you should be taking notes because nerds rule the world, then I want you to write this as the header before we get into these three points. When the brook dries up. That's what I want for this week. In your notes, you should have last week without the brook drying up. And then we had our three points. But this week, it's when the brook dries up. It's only when the brook dries up that you get these next three points. Y'all ready? All right, here we go. When the brook dries up, point number one, please write this down. Your relationships grow. Mm -hmm. When the brook dries up, your relationships grow. Here's what it says in 1 Kings 17, verse number 10. So when, so, so he went to Zarephath, as he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks and he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? When the brook dries up, your relationships grow. I want you to imagine now, Elijah an Israelite who has been called to his own people to be given uh, uh, to give them a prophetic word understands now that God calls him to a place of unfamiliarity. He calls him to Zarephath, a place that he has no connection with, a place that he doesn't know anybody in the whole town. He is told to go to a place and instructed that God has set up a connection for him there. Now, this is what I want you to know about point number one. Your relationship starts to grow. He gives you different connections when you get to the next season that he's telling you to go to. He gives you different connections when you get to the next place out of obedience that he's instructed you to go to. And his relationships grow. He grows in relationship and in connectivity with someone he would have never been exposed to had the brook not dried up. I don't know who I'm talking to, but but I believe that in this season, you are going to connect with some people that you would have never been connected with in your life had this brook not dried up for you. Had it not been for this transition, you would not have even thought of going there. You would have not even thought of connecting with that person. You would have not even thought of building a relationship with this individual. But I'm telling you, when this brook dries up, it's because God wants your relationships to grow. He wants your, your connectivity to grow. He wants the people that you are connected, to, to, connected with to grow. And let me tell you something. Some of these people may not be people 
that are familiar to you. Some of these people may not be people that you like. Ooh, I know I'm talking to somebody right now. Sometimes it takes the brook drying up. It takes a season ending for you to even be open to the idea of connecting in a new way. And Elijah comes into this town and he sees this widow gathering sticks and he just walks up to her and says, would you bring me a little water in a cup? And because her response was amicable, because her response was friendly and warm, he knew this must be the connection that God wanted him to have. But it wasn't without its tension, because when he asked uh, for this water and she began to go get it again. Think about it. He's asking for water in the middle of a drought. She's OK to give uh, uh, this response and say, I'll get you a little bit of water. I, I, I got enough of that. But then while she is walking to go get the water, he says, and bring me a little bread, too. And this is when the woman loses it. She snaps, y'all. She literally is like, what? what are you talking about? I swear on your God. I promise you, I don't have any bread. As a matter of fact, I have just a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. And I was gathering these sticks because this is going to be the last meal I have with my son. Now, anytime I've read this text and anytime I've read that verse, it has always brought me a, a, a sense of pain and anguish to think about the implications of what this means. Think about what this lady is saying. Um, this is the last time that we're going to eat food. After this is over, there's no sense to me looking for anything else. That, 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 that stimulus check been cashed. That's, that stimulus check has been spent. It's over with. We, we bought our last set of groceries. We don't have any more. And what I'm telling you is that I was gathering these sticks because I am going to go home and I am going to make this last piece of bread, this last loaf. My son and I are going to eat it. And then we're going to die. And let me tell you why this has always brought me some pain. Because I thought about the fact that what this woman was saying was that we're not going to eat this and die. But we're going to eat this and we're going to start dying. Because the next times our belly, the next time our bellies growl after this, I won't be able to feed myself or my son. So one day is going to turn to two, and two is going to turn to three, and my son's going to come to me weeping and crying, saying, "Mommy, I'm hungry," and I'm going to have to look back at him with tears in my own eyes and let him know that's all we have. What we ate three or four days ago. That's all we had left. And the thought of dying from starvation is something that breaks my heart to hear. I can't even imagine what it must have felt like for her to prepare her mind to go through that. She gives Elijah this statement. And Elijah's response seems to be absolutely and utterly ridiculous and insensitive. 
because she says, I'm going to make this last piece of bread for my son and I, and then we're going to die. And he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. No, no. You can go ahead and continue to do that. Uh, but just make mine first. What? Who says this? Make mine first. Give me mine first. I, I, I know you probably don't want to hear this right now, but, but isn't it amazing that, 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 that this Zarephath woman, this woman that has no covenant with God whatsoever, is told to apply the same principle that has worked for the children of Israel since the days of Abraham. Make mine first. I know that we don't have a relationship and you don't have a covenant to my God, but there, there is something about the principle of the first. There is something about the principle of tithing that even if you don't have a relationship with my God, I'm telling you right now, if you make mine first, you'll see my God do something for you that he always does for us. I don't know who this is who this is for. Maybe you're watching right now and you're an unbeliever and you you don't even believe in in generosity. You don't even believe in giving. You don't even believe in tithing. Maybe you think it's manipulation or maybe you think it's a hoax. I'm telling you right now this woman applied the principle of tithing. And she saw something supernatural happen in her life. He said, "I want you to go and make Mine first. And this woman, I know she had to be thinking to herself, listen, we're going to die anyway. I mean, what what does it even matter anymore? We're going to die anyway. I guess I'll try it. She goes in there and she takes the little flour that she has left and the, the, the little oil that she has left. And she begins to bake. And she baked that bread and they all ate. She made one for Elijah first. And they ate the food. And here's what a lot of people don't consider. She didn't know right then and there that provision was going to be met for her. No, no, no. She didn't know until the next day. When it was time to go make something again, she she didn't know when she made it for Elijah. Oh, oh, man, this thing really does work. No, it was when they were hungry again. See, a lot of times we sow and we think that, oh, we're going to get this instantaneous response. But but our God shall supply all of our need according to his riches and glory and its needs, not wants. Let me say that again. It is needs and not wants. I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. He will always give us what we need. He doesn't always give us what we want. She came back the next day. And when she came back the next day, she found a little bit more oil and a little bit more flour. I just want to stay right here for a minute because it wasn't that she found an an, an abundance of oil. It wasn't that the, the oil was overflowing. It wasn't that the flour was overflowing and cascading out of the cabinets. There was just a little bit more oil and a little bit more flour for them to eat for another day. And they came back again and there was a little bit more oil and a little bit more flour and they were able to eat again. They came back the next day. There was a little bit more oil and a little bit more flour. I don't know who I'm preaching to right now, but God is telling you, you will always have enough. 
even if it's trickling in, you will always have enough to get to the next day. Give us this day our daily bread. Which brings me to point number two. Please write this down. When the brook dries up, your trust grows. It's getting me excited. When the brook dries up, your trust grows. First Samuel 17 verses 15 and 16 say this. So she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. We don't even know how long many was, but we know it was a lot of days. It wasn't a week. It wasn't two weeks. It was months, y'all. I'm telling you. There was always, get this, there was always enough flour. mm -mm, Thank you, Holy Spirit. Let me let let me slow down. There was always enough. I I don't know who that is for, but 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 I just want to let you know there will always be enough. There will always be enough. Whatever it is that you need, God is saying there will always be enough. This may not be a season where we're living in overabundance. It may not be a season where we can be opulent, but there will always be for the children of God, his sons and daughters. There will always be enough. There will always be enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah, there was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. Somebody needs to stand on the word of God right now and declare there was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised Elijah. Let me tell you something. God is going to make sure that you have enough for this season. It doesn't matter if the, if the government doesn't give stimulus or not. If it gives stimulus or not, there will always be enough for those that are blood-bought believers in Jesus Christ. And you got to stand on his word when it comes to the season you're in right now. I, I, I firmly believe that point number two is, is something that, that many of us are moving into. You're, you're moving out of faith into trust. Faith is when uh, uh, you do something, but you have some doubt uh, uh, attached to it. That's what makes it faith. The, the, the trust is the absence of doubt. If you have faith in something, it's because there's a little bit of doubt that you have reserved. But when you trust in something, it's the absence of doubt. And I believe that God is trying to move some of us from faith into trust in certain areas of our life. And with this point number two, I believe he is trying to make us trust that we'll be provided for, that there will always be enough. Even if it has to come through unconventional means, I believe God wants his people to know you don't even have to talk to me about this anymore. This is not something that you really need to have faith in exercising anymore. I'm going to always provide for my sons and daughters. Before I let my sons and daughters go begging for bread, I will send somebody to the house to knock on the door and put a check in your hand. And it might not come from the government, but it might come from Sam. And not Uncle Sam, just a random dude named Sam. It might come from 
Barbara. It might come from an old job you went to and you didn't think that the unemployment was going to come in and then the unemployment hits and you get the provision that you need. It might come from an old check that, that should have been cut to you and now it's cut to you and you, didn't even, you have forgot that it was even owed to you. I don't know how he's going to do it. I don't know if it's going to be a box of food dropped at your doorstep. I don't know if it's going to be favor that he gives you with the business that you're in. But you are not going to go without your needs being met. If you have a covenant. With God. He is trying to get us to trust in a way that we've never trusted before. And it's only when the brook dries up do we grow in our trust. It is only when that brook dries up that we grow in trusting God for our provision. I remember when I moved here from California uh, back in 1997, I took a two and a half day uh, bus trip on a Greyhound bus. My parents gave me $400 uh, uh, and I packed three suitcases and I got on a Greyhound bus and I moved to California. And I, when I tell you, things were tight uh, when I moved from California to Texas. And I got to Texas and um, I lived in Oak Cliff with my with my relatives and things were just tight. And I remember the way God was providing for me back then was absolutely amazing. I remember one time very, very distinctly. I was going to a church conference and we went to uh, McDonald's that morning to eat something. It was raining very, very hard outside. And as a result. Obviously, when it's raining really, really hard, when you when you run out of a building and you don't have an umbrella, you, you, you do this number. Right. You, you do this number and you throw your coat over your head and, and, and you're just trying to uh, uh, not let the, the water get on you. And because I was hunched over and run into the car because it was only because I was hunched over, only because I was hunched over that as I was running, I saw a one hundred dollar bill floating on top of the water underneath the rear tire of the car I was about to get into. And I looked, I couldn't believe it. And I looked and I picked it up and I'm like, what is this? That, you know, that's the same thing that uh, uh, the children of Israel said when the manna hit the ground. What is this? What is it? It was manna. It was a source of provision for them while they were going through the season of transition. And here's what I'm telling you. You may not be in a season where you have a lot, but you will always have enough. And the way God's going to bless some of y'all is going to be what is this? How in the world did this get in here? How did I get blessed with this, with the situation I'm in? How did God open a door? It's manna. It is what is this? It is God providing in a way that makes you question how it even came to pass. You can trust him for provision. And you see it happen when the brook dries up. Point number three, please write this down. When the brook dries up, your faith grows. That's right. When the brook dries up, your faith grows. Now I'm going to read you this. And when I read you this, this is going to be, okay, so excited. First Kings chapter number 17, verse number 24. Here's what the widow uh, uh, said to Elijah. Then the woman told Elijah, now 
I know for sure that you are a man of God and that the Lord truly speaks through you. Now I know. Really, lady? Now you know? You, you didn't know when you came back to that pot of oil and there was some more oil in there? When you know you emptied it the night before? You didn't know when you came back to that jar of flour and there was more flour in there when you know you had turned it over and got all the flour out of there, you didn't know for sure that Elijah was a man of God and that the Lord truly spoke through him. You didn't know back then. Listen, I'm going to take y'all slow on this because I want you to understand it. This woman was operating in God's grace but was still not a believer. I'm going to take y'all slow. Okay. This woman was operating in God's grace, but based on verse number 24, it was clear she was still not a believer. How can this be? How could she be pouring out oil and flour for many, 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 many days and still not believe that Elijah was a man of God and that God was real in her life. She, she was applying uh, uh, the, the favor of God uh, on her life in a very practical way, but she still wasn't a believer. Can I, can I just let you all know that it is possible to operate around the things of God, in the things of God, and still not be a believer in the God of the things. This woman has proven it. The oil's coming out. The flower's coming out. But she still is not a believer. Let me tell you why. It is possible. Please write this down. It is possible to be obedient, but not a believer. What, Tim? Say it again. Yes, it is possible to be obedient, but still an unbeliever. This woman was obedient to do what the man of God said, but she still wasn't a believer in the words of that man, nor his God. People can do stuff out of obedience, but sometimes obedience comes from a, 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 a lack of a plan B or, or, or a better option. This woman thought she was going to die anyway. I guess I'll try it. And because she tried it, it worked. But it didn't change her life until something else happened. After many days of being obedient, but not a believer, this woman's son gets sick. And he becomes so sick that he dies. In the midst of what seems to be favor, in the midst of what seems to be provision, her son dies. When her son dies, she goes back to Elijah and she's like, what, what, what did I do wrong? Are, are you here to remind me of my sins? Elijah doesn't even know what's going on. He's like, I, I don't know what's going on, but he 
he picks that boy up and takes him upstairs to the guest room that he's been using while living with this widow woman. And he puts the child on his bed and he cries out to the Lord. He says, why have you allowed this to happen? What is going on? And he lays on top of that boy, a dead corpse, and begins to pray over him. And the boy comes back to life. This is, this is crazy. The boy comes back to life. And he picks him up again. He picked him up when he was dead, then he picked him up when he was alive. Picked him up again, and he walked him downstairs and handed this boy living back to his mama. Now, now let, me, let, let me take my time. She saw him go up with a dead body. Then she saw him come down with a live body. She saw him go up with her son, and he was dead. Then she saw him come back with her son, and he was alive. This, this is starting to sound like a gospel message, isn't it? Starting to sound like, like, like Easter uh, just happened a little, a little while ago, isn't it? She saw him go, go, go up the stairs dead, but come back down the stairs alive. And she gave uh, this, this uh, Elijah gave uh, her son back to her and she held him in her arms and, and looked and saw that he was living again. And that's when she makes this declaration. Uh, now I know for sure that you are a man of God and that the Lord truly speaks through you. Let me tell you something. This woman was 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 close to God, but 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 she had not yet put her her faith in God. See, see, mm, thank you, Holy Spirit. Uh, provision alone will not change your life. Provision alone will not make you a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. Getting your needs met will not make you a believer in Jesus Christ. And if that's all you're in it for, then I'm telling you, then this may not be uh, the walk that you want to go on, the journey that you want to go on, because this is not just about God providing for you. This is about living your life for him, despite the season that you're walking through. Yes, she she saw a miracle happen day after day after day because she was obedient. But her obedience didn't make her a believer. Her believer didn't her belief system did not come until she saw what was dead resurrected. And, and, and I don't know who I'm talking to right now, but that's the reason why you're so anchored in your faith as a believer in Jesus Christ. That's the reason why this season is not shaking your faith. It's not because there's provision or a lack thereof. It's because you understand what has happened between life and death. And there has been somebody that's gone to the cross for your sins, died on a cross. But come back to life with all power in his hand. See, see, this woman saw sickness happen to her son. This woman saw death come upon her son. But then this woman also found resurrection 
in her son. I'm going to say that again. She saw sickness come upon her son. She saw death take her son. Then she saw resurrection given to her son. And then she became a believer. One more time. She saw sickness come upon her son. Then she saw death hit her son. Then she saw resurrection happen to her son. Then she became a believer. Can I can I turn it, y'all? Can I go? Can, can I go ahead and turn it, y'all? We saw the sickness of our sins upon us, but then we saw the death of our sins upon him and upon his resurrection. Then we believe that is the testimony of a blood washed, sanctified child of God is that we saw our sickness, but we saw his death and we saw his burial. We saw his resurrection. That's what we put our belief in. We don't put our belief in the bread. We don't put, put our belief in the water. We don't put, put our belief in the car. We don't put our belief in the house. Our belief is anchored in the life death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when the brook dries up, it's going to make your faith grow. Not just because of the provision, but because you're going to get a new glimpse of what resurrection looks like in this area of your life. You're going to get a new glimpse of what resurrection looks like in your marriage. Resurrection looks like in your relationships. Resurrection is going to look like in your emotions. Resurrection is going to look like in your physical body. God's going to heal you. God's going to free you. God's going to deliver you. God, God is going to resurrect some things in this season because he wants your faith to grow in the right thing. Forget praying about money. Forget praying about provision. God's going to make sure that you get that. He wants you to trust him for those things. But let me tell you where he wants your faith to grow. He wants you to believe God. He wants you to believe him for, for miracles to happen. Unprecedented miracles to happen in your life. Stuff that only God can get credit for. Not a stimulus check that came from the government. I'm talking about him doing exceedingly and abundantly above what you could ask or think according to the power that works in us. It's the power of God working in us and through us to bring the witness of the Holy Spirit up and out of us to declare to the entire world that he is alive and he is risen. Telling you, God wants to take what you thought was a mess and provide you with one of the most incredible miracles you have ever experienced in your entire life. This is why the brook dried up, y'all. It dried up so that your relationships can grow, that you can be connected with people that you never thought you would be connected with. Maybe, maybe you're going to be reconciled with people that you never thought you would be reconciled with. Maybe, maybe God's going to restore a, a relationship that had been breached uh, and, and you didn't think that you would ever uh, uh, forgive this person or that you would ever have a relationship with them again. God's going to make these connections grow in places and with people that you never thought you would be in relationship with or covenant with. He's also going to let your trust grow in the way that he provides for you and the way that he takes care of you and the way that he sustains you. You're going to find miracles happening all around you to prove that he's got you 
in this season. You don't have to worry about it. God's got you in this season. And lastly, he wants your faith to grow. That's, that's why the brook dried up. He wants your faith to grow. There's going to be some resurrection miracle that's going to happen in your life because he wants that faith to be built up that you would have no other way to give anybody credit for the situations that's happening in your life. It was that sickness and it was that death and it was that resurrection that gave that widow the confirmation that this God is real. It took my sickness, the sickness of my sin-sick soul, the death of Jesus on that cross, and his glorious resurrection for me to understand that God is real. That if he could take this sickness and in his son's death, raise him up. And by doing so, raise me up. Then now I know that God is real. And that the words that he gives us is true. Your brook dried up. Aren't you glad it did? Would you know him like you knew him now? Had he left you at the last place he told you to go? Would you understand him like you understand him now? If it wasn't for this season, he's allowed you to walk through. The brook dried up. And now he's ready to fill you up with courage faith, with strength, with boldness, with power, with joy, and with laughter. The brook dried up so he can get you closer than you've ever been before to a relationship with him. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Through this message, we ask this question every week because it's so important. What is he saying to you through this message? I'm telling you, I believe that God is drawing you closer to himself than you've ever been before. I want you to take this time, if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, maybe you've, you, you've done some things, maybe you say a prayer before you do whatever it is that you do, um, but, but you haven't had a relationship with him. You've been obedient, but you've still been an unbeliever. You, you, do some, you do some godly things. You do some Christian stuff, but you've never confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And, and maybe today you've learned now more than ever that, that, it's, that it's not about just doing the motions that creates a belief system and a, and a connection with God. It's about it's about actually believing in him and saying, I, I want to live my life for him. All you have to do to invite Jesus into your heart is believe that he is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. 
Repent of your sins. Change your mind about the way you've been living your life and give your life totally and fully to Jesus Christ. Make him savior because he saves. Make him Lord because he reigns. I welcome you into the kingdom of heaven as a citizen of the kingdom. For the rest of us, I'm so excited that you joined us again. I, listen, y'all, I'm, I'm Liddy right now. Like, like, I'm loving the opportunity that we have to declare God's word, even in the midst of this quarantine. We'll get back to this at some point. But until then, I am committed to feeding you spiritually from God's word in a way that helps you grow. I cannot wait to start the new series for the month of May, y'all. You're not even ready. We're about to do something that I'm super, super excited about. But until then, go upset the world. That's the mandate of Embassy City Church. We upset the world. Turn it upside down with the message, the love, and the hope of Jesus Christ. I'll see you next week. Peace.